This is my voice, my weapon of choice. Hello everybody, you are listening to IVS Radio, a podcast series on the migrant women experience. Brought to you by IVS, the international women's space. IVS has been a space for refugee women to come together and self-organize. We discuss, share, and exchange our stories, experiences, challenges, and struggles. We empower each other and empower ourselves to learn about and fight for our rights. Make sure to visit our website, iwspace.de, and subscribe to our podcasts. Hello, everybody. Today's topic is racism against Asians, the good immigrant image, and COVID-19. This is our third show, and today we will first be speaking with Estra Nayan Karakaya, also called as Miss Blackrock, host of the YouTube shows Karakaya Talk and Blackrock Talk, about the good immigrant image projected onto Asians as a way to control and divide the migrant society. In the second part of the show, we will hear from Chia Hong Yu from Asian Voices Europe about how this group dealt with the heightened racism against Asians, especially during the COVID-19 time. We will also listen to Tao discussing DAM, Deutsch Asiaten Make Noise, as an empowering platform for people of Asian descent in Germany. Hello, my name is Hewan Che. Hi, my name is Tahe. We will co-host today radio, and our colleague, Nock, will be joining us from America. I'm not a virus. What images come to your mind? It was so natural. Asians were treated as a virus during the corona situation. We were a virus. People stared at us, refrained from sitting near us, and attacked us verbally and physically. Anyone who looked Asian was treated as a detrimental virus. During this time, I felt my existence was torn apart. I stopped going to the supermarket for some weeks as I did not want to feel rejected just because of my appearance. Kids called me Corona, which made me very angry, but also very sad to see how the adults made this world full of hatred and racism. I totally understand how you felt. Everyone believed the Asian people spread the virus because many media outlets framed the story as virus equals Asian. For example, the newspaper Abendzeitung München depicted the COVID-19 as a dangerous wrong disease with a picture of Asian women with a mask. Another newspaper, The Bild, features an article called How the Coronavirus Came to Us with a picture of five Asian people at the dining table last winter. Last April, Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung reported libel blog in coronavirus with a picture of Asian children wearing masks. Most offensive of all, German news magazine Der Spiegel features on the cover of a February issue a man wearing the red hood, protective mask, goggles, 
and headphones with a huge headline, Coronavirus Made in China. This way the report not only raises panic and mutual blaming, but also, as we saw, racial discrimination. Coorientation FAO, self-organization with a network for focus on self-representation of Asian German in culture and media, create a Corona Racism section with a new articles related to race, racism during Corona, and the road articles discussing the structural racism behind this. For those who wanted to check it out, visit coorientation.de. You are listening to IBS Radio. Están escuchando a IBS Radio. Nakaribishwa kuskiza late radio ya international women's place. Você está ouvindo IBS Radio. IBS Radio. Wow, so much happened during a short amount of time. I mean, it makes no sense to view Asians as a virus, but that happens so easily. Seriously, it was so easy to target Asian. Many collectives reacted to the racism against Asian in the corona situation all over the world, including in Berlin. I heard there's a group which collected and is collecting experiences to make statistical evidence, or? Yes, Asian Voices Europe is working on it. Asian Voices Europe is young NGO established in March with the goal of combating anti-Asian racism in Europe. Currently, they are a group of 13 human rights activists, academics, journalists, designers, product managers, and translators. This group has been taking action to uphold the human rights of Asians and Asian diasporas who have been experienced inframed racist incidents. In recent months, in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic. Let us hear the interview with activist Zie from this group for further information. As Zie in Netherlands and we are in Berlin, we agreed to send her our questions and she answered them through audio messages. Could you tell us about the process of how you form Asian Voices Europe organization in Netherlands with your introductions. Hi, uh, my name is Jie, and I'm the founder and president of Asian Voices Europe, which is a nonprofit based in the Netherlands and which aims to combat anti-Asian racism. We came to start this organization because, well, I came to start the initiative back in February or back in March, when I experienced a racist incident myself. As we say, the personal is political. And my curiosity and my, well, uh, feeling of feeling unsafe in the Netherlands uh, really made me start something that became much bigger than what I had ever expected it to become. Uh, at the end of February, on a Monday, I was biking back home from my dance class. Um, I know it was a Monday because I had classes on Mondays. Uh, and when two people on a scooter um, yelled Chinese at me and tried to punch me. So when this happened, it was dark, there was nobody else in the street, so what I did was I biked home very quickly and um, 
While I was biking back home, actually, it really angered me because that same morning I had read on the Dutch news that a 24-year-old Chinese-Dutch woman student called Cindy had been attacked in an elevator. And this happened because she asked people in the elevator to stop singing the Corona song, which is a Dutch song that was populated on the radio and which says prevention is better than the Chinese. And when, pe- when she asked people to stop singing this song, they physically assaulted her and even one of them even uh, assaulted her with a knife. They have yet to find the assailants. So while I was biking back home, there was the anger, there was the fear, and when I got home, I called the police, um, I reported the incident, and I made an appointment to go to the police station um, in the next week. But what I also did is I started a survey on a Google Doc. It was a very simple survey, very um, spur of the moment, because not just this incident with me or with Cindy, but the past two, two three weeks, I've been say, seeing more and more posts on social media about Asians, and especially Koreans, because I am South Korean myself, of how they got in the tram and people were avoiding them. Um, I had also experienced that once I got on the tram in The Hague and people ran away from me to the other side of the tram. Um, but there were much, much more uh, serious incidents and many more incidents, and I wanted to be able to gather them in one place to be able to um, see what actually was the status quo. So this survey really launched the whole movement, and it was cited in the Dutch report from Discriminatie.nl, which is the National Federation of Anti-Discrimination Agencies. Um, And since I started the survey, I also started reaching out to people and seeing, is there somebody who wants to do something? I don't know what it is exactly, but we have to do something about about this racism that's uh, being experienced by Asians. And I was very lucky because we now have 10 members who reached out to me um, early in March, also almost as soon as I started the survey. And on March 14th, we had our first um, group meeting, and now we're at the end of July. So it's um, crazy how fast time has come and how much we've been able to achieve. Thank you, Jie. According to the survey, most incidents consist of local calling out coronavirus, often combined with threatening gestures or insulting behaviors like spitting. These incidents have occurred in almost every country in Europe. Please tell us more about this. Asian Voices Europe has just finished analyzing the data from Survey 1.0. Survey 1.0 was started by me in February when I came home this Monday and I started this Google form trying to gather all the data on what um, Asians had been experiencing during Corona times. And now the data has been analyzed by our lead researcher, Hebin, and team members, Arum and Sunghe. Out of the results, um, to summarize, we had about 300 total cases from 170 respondents. About half of those consisted of verbal attacks. So verbal attacks consist of people shouting, yelling, saying things like Corona, Chinese, get out of town, etc. This is, I think, the most common kind of racism that um, Asians experience even outside of Korea times. About 60 of those cases consisted of physical harassment or physical assault. So this was when people were um, injured physically, they were pushed, or in some cases, people threw stones at Asians. And about 
90 cases, about 30% of total, were microaggressions. So these are often difficult to define legally and cannot be reported to the police, but are very uh, pervasive. So this could be people glaring at you in public, making racial jokes, splitting, doing the split eye motion that is often used to mock Asians, fake coughing and bullying. And what I um, found important was that there was a high number of physical assaults, which I had not seen too often in the past. But I could be wrong because there is obviously no complete data on uh, Asian, on anti-Asian racism. How is your work progressing? To combat those cases of anti-Asian racism, we launched a petition in May, and that was done on wemove.eu. The petition is still ongoing. Um, and this petition was targeting the German Federal Anti-Discrimination Agency, the Anti-Discriminierungsstelle des Bundes, and the European Commission Against Racism and Intolerance. We asked them to set up a hotline for reporting hate crimes against Asians, because such a service is available, for example, in New York City. We actually were very happy to receive a response from the German Federal Anti-Discrimination Agency within three days of launching the petition, and we had a meeting with them already um, in June. What happened during the meeting is um, actually the federal agency does not have the implementation authority to set up such a hotline, neither does the European Commission Against Racism Intolerance, because they are more, advos uh, more advisory bodies. So what they have been doing to help us is to put us in contact with other German uh, lender um, state-level organizations which may be able to implement such projects, as well as other European networks focusing on anti-racism and anti-discrimination initiatives. The petition has currently uh, 1,500 signatures, uh, but for now we consider that the petition has achieved, um, well, somewhat its goal because it has put us in contact with the German federal agency. Yes, yeah, so the first step to solving the problem is defining the problem, which is what we aim to do through the survey. And our next step is, of course, to find solutions to dealing with anti-Asian racism. So those two projects are ongoing at this moment, and we're also recruiting helpers if you're interested. The first project is creating a guidebook on dealing with anti-Asian racism in Europe. So this first project aims all Asian expats and immigrants living in European countries, but particularly we will start out with the cases of the Netherlands and in Germany. And this is for the very practical reason that we have limited resources as a nonprofit that has just launched and the fact that our members are currently uh, spread out in Netherlands and Germany. In the guidebook project, we will aim to deal, um, for example, on how to deal with racism. How can you in, uh, report racist incidents and to whom can you report? And what is the process and how can you make it easier? How do you navigate those procedures? As well as, for example, there is not only a way of reporting those incidents to the police, but you could also re receive emotional and psychological help um, that is covered by national healthcare policies. For example, in the Netherlands, there is a service called the Slachtofferhulp, which is literally translated as victim help. And it's a service that is provided in coordination with the police to victims of, for example, sexual assault, physical assaults, or other kinds of um, assault. The second part of the guidebook will be on explaining racism to Dutch, German, and other Europeans. Because Asians make up such a small uh, minority of the population in those two countries, 
In the Netherlands, if you look at just East Asian populations, they make up 0.7% of the whole population. And in Germany, uh, I think it's something like 3%. So these are very uh, small numbers. And it means that there are people who live in Germany and in the Netherlands who have never met an Asian person or ever spoken to an Asian person. And if you do not come into contact with different people, when you hear about problems that only impact this specific group of people, it is very unlikely that you will believe and empathize with those issues. So our goal is to be able to provide people with the tool to be able to explain in a non-confrontational uh, and peaceful way of expla explaining how you've, how well, I've experienced racism and this is what I felt or this is what I would like. The Skype project is our first project with an external partner, uh, Meet to Asians e.V., which is an NGO based in Berlin. And this NGO was launched with the goal of helping Asian women in Germany who have experienced sexual assault. So we're very happy to have them as a partner. Our second project is the Asian Advocacy Platform, which is a website that we're building. Um, and this is a platform which aims to provide a clear image of anti-Asian racist incidents using both text and visual data. So our survey data will be incorporated to demonstrate how in numbers we are experiencing um, racism as Asians. But we'll also include other elements um, such as text and other examples. So this is a project in progress, and we hope to be able to show this to you uh, later in this year. Thank you for taking the time to speak with us, Chie, and thank you very much for the work from your group, making this world a better place to live in. Today, we have a special guest, Esra Nayan Karakaya, to talk about the image of Asians as a good migrant. Oh, I'm fan of the Brain Rock Talk and Karakaya Talk also. <laughs> I can't wait to hear your talk. Then let's listen to my recorded interview with her. Woo! Can you introduce yourself? Yes. Um, my name is Esta Dayan Karakaya and I am a journalist and video producer. Within the last two or three years, I have been working on my own talk show. It started off as Black Rope Talk, but then for a while now we were uh, in cooperation with a public broadcasting station and for six months we've been producing under the name Karakaya Talk. We're now independent again and we will probably be continuing our work with the talk show as Karakaya Talks with mm -hmm. an S at the end. And also uh, I was producing with and for Datteltäter. It's kind of a, it's a YouTube channel to that creates content to empower Muslim youth in Germany. So generally, whenever I get um, contract or whenever people or um, broadcasting stations approach me, I produce videos that often have a um, sociopolitical relevance, I would mm -hmm. say. Wow, you're doing a lot. <laughs> so how did you come up with the talk shows you're producing? So it was... About I think it was about three years ago, ago in 2017 when I imagined a, an online space where we could come together um, and talk about all kinds of stuff, um, stuff that I felt like wasn't represented in mainstream German media. And I wanted to have these conversations with people that I felt were underrepresented and those people are normally people who are already more, um, structurally institutionally marginalized in Germany. So 
I remember the very first episode that we created and it was, I think, I will always remember this moment, inviting five women with hijab to this show and kind of making a statement. Um, even though we were really, really small, I think it was very important for me to create that, create that space and let everybody know that we are important just as anybody else in this country or this world. Yeah, I really, I was very impressed by this show. It was very emotional somehow for me to see these wonderful women in one shot, like visualizing their existence and making it very important. And also for the community here to know that these women are here and they can also come to a talk show at once. Definitely. Yeah, which was not represented before. Yeah, which I think is crazy. Yeah. Because how, I don't understand how it is even possible. I don't even know how German media has not understood how important it is to represent certain peoples. And it's crazy to think that the only time, the first time, in, I think, in German history where so many women with hijab were represented yeah. visually and um, was a production that is self-made, no funding, with a self-made kind of collective. Um, and it's kind of, it's nice for us because we were able to create that, but it's also kind of sad to see that that is the but that is where Germany's at right now, still, mm -hmm. to this day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So talking about this, I would like to shift a little bit of our conversation to the Asian focus. Mm -hmm. um, as you know, Asians are represented as good migrants. But for me, like, it sounds like a compliment. But for me, what is behind this expression is quite fishy. Definitely. <laughs> it means like Asians are submissive, mm -hmm. hardworking, diligent. But actually, like to be honest, I'm like the laziest person in the world. I'm an Asian, <laughs> but I'm not diligent. I'm not hardworking. And also there's like this um, picture other migrants should follow them to settle down well in the migrated yes. country. So how do you think about this? So I definitely agree. There's this kind of narrative that, you know, Asians, South Asians are generally the the smart ones, the intelligent ones, but mo um, most of all, the obedient ones. And mm -hmm. I think that this narrative is used to kind of divide certain communities or um, minority communities in Germany, right? As in saying, oh, you, community A, you are so obedient and good, even though we're not giving you all the access, but yeah. you're, we're giving you compliments, right? Mm -hmm. So ultimately i'm looking at community b and i'm like community b you have failed on all levels and you better you know look at community a and then what happens sometimes what can happen and did happen it does sometimes happen to this day is that community b gets angry at community a and, mm -hmm. and then community a is like yo you should be more like us and community b is like shut up man like you know yeah, you, don't have nothing, you don't know nothing and instead of focusing on why this narrative exists and kind of questioning the narrative the communities, so this concept of this colonial concept of divide and conquer yeah. takes grip, and like the communities start mm -hmm. not mobilizing and unifying, but kind of separating each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I always question, who are you to set the model minorities? We are the ones who should identify ourselves, and we're not homogeneous mm -hmm. as like an Asian community. Asia is so big, we're individuals, everyone's super different, but like who are them mm -hmm. to label us as model minorities? And also it was sad for me to feel like I have to prove my existence all the time. I have to prove that I'm like a good immigrant 
to stay here, to be accepted by the society that I do not belong to. But actually, we everyone should belong to a society they settle in, right? Definitely. Um, um, so yeah. I, I had a thought, and I, um, I wonder how you feel about this thought. So because you were not born and raised in Germany, mm-hmm. obviously you will you have the certain struggles that people that non certain German citizens have. You will have to you have to be obedient to the system in order to stay. So you're very dependent on the system, right? Mm-hmm. So now, what if we talk about the the people that have been raised in Germany and hold the German citizenship? What I've been observing is, um, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. I, it's just a feeling that especially um, in East Asian communities in Berlin that were, that were raised in Germany, oftentimes they're, they're less politicized than, for example, Muslim racialized communities are. And I sometimes feel like that is also sometimes, that brings in conflict between these communities. Oftentimes I'm ang- I get angry, right? Because yeah. I'm also in this position where I have a Korean mother, so yeah. I def- definitely have the Korean experience, but then I also have a Turkish father. Mm-hmm. And when in Germany, I am definitely racialized as a Muslim woman. Yeah. That is for sure. So oftentimes when I see, when I meet, and when I um, talk to people within the East Asian communities, East Asian German communities that were born and raised here, or just raised in Germany, I often feel like there is a lack of understanding and solidarity for other communities, and sometimes that makes me angry, but I do understand also that that is part of that narrative. Oh, you're a good immigrant, you know, and yeah. you, you're obedient, so we're not going to get on your nerves too much, right? Mm. But I think what I would love to happen is for more East Asian communities to stand up, understand that we are all in the same boat. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I can't say so much representing the East Asian community because I've been living here only like two years and a half. But still, I do find it's very important for us to have solidarity to each other, Definitely. to each communities. But I do feel sometimes very isolated when I'm in other communities mm. because they find Asians don't face racism. Right. Even though they're like super critical about uh, racism or human rights, they're like, oh, you're Asians, you're having a comfortable life because mm-hmm. no one's bugging you here. Yeah. Actually, we are bugged pretty much. And with the corona situation, it became very apparent. But even before Asians were going through these racial, structural racism, right? Definitely. But still, like, I think you're also right from the other point of view, like other communities' point of view, they find like East Asian communities are kind of not so critical about what they are going through, but also like from the East Asian view, I find like, yeah, we also have like these kind of difficulties, but other communities um, do not like fully understand what's going on. Right. But like, what I really find important is we are not the ones who, t- who should fight against each other. Definitely. Who should like criticize. Yeah, Definitely. I have more hardship than you. You have like less hardship than me. I mean, it's, it's, it doesn't really matter, right? Like we are all going through this structural right. racism and that's happening to every single person, every single body from any community that are non-white, right? That's right. So like we have to build a block together, show solidarity in order to change this world to be a better place that our next generation can have a better life, at least a little bit. True. And but, but I do think, I agree with you, yeah. definitely. But I do think there's a difference. So 
one okay one thought that i'm having is first i don't want to generalize i think before i've been it's a very general observation that i've been mm -hmm. doing and i i don't think that's very fair to also all the activists in in berlin and in germany and the asian east asian and south asian um asian um activists that have been working so hard um to kind of raise awareness and politicize their surroundings so um shout out to vicky tao and mm -hmm. all the people who yeah. have been doing the work for years and um At the same time, yes, you're right that we are all in this together, but I do think we need understanding of each other. I do mm -hmm. think that we need to understand what it means being targeted as or racialized as, as East Asian. I think it's important that I also know what it means being a dark-skinned Asian. Mm -hmm. I think it, um, it just the experience is just so different, and I need to know so in order for me to be to be in in proper solidarity. Yeah. And I also need my all my, the people in my surroundings understand what it means wearing a hijab, mm. what it means being yeah. uh, racialized as Muslim, being or racialized as Kanek, right? So I think it's very... Um, yes, we need to stand together, but also, and not let this divide happen, but at the same time, have understanding mm -hmm. for the different experiences that we make. Yeah, I, I mean, I can't agree more. And I do think, like, everyone has their different experiences, but we have to share with each other what kind of experience we have. But sometimes I find, also I sometimes do it this way, we become, like, selective. We are more focused on the experiences we have. Like, not we, I'm sorry, like, what these individuals, each of them have. Mm. So they start to focus on that. And when they start to focus on it, they go deep inside, and then it's really hard to understand others experience it's i'm talking with my experience when i'm like focused on my hardships my difficulties i can't really look on other sides but i do think this is very important for us to have a platform to share our narratives mm. so we can make a broader platform that's like more united because we shouldn't be divided right like we are all we should be all together and that's why we invited you because uh, we wanted to show through this radio episode that we are all having this problem and we are all together and that leads to the good migrant image i'm i'm having this question okay if there's a good minority or like model minority then who is the bad immigrant who is the good immigrant and this image is posing on everyone like we're all influenced by this image mm. so that's what's dividing people right like as you said like accusing Muslim communities like oh yeah if you want to be a good immigrant you have to like follow us you have to be blah 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 but actually the migrant people did not really make this image it's, definitely it's yeah. by the colonial for power, sure right I wanted to just ask you um, how it was to you like you also said you had two steps right being viewed as a foreigner and also like being divided as a good and bad exactly. immigrant uh -huh. so how was it to you was it difficult for you to overcome it or did you just like not care about it so um i think when i was younger i don't think i didn't think it was an option to overcome it i thought that i thought that was just the way it was mm. it was meant to be mm. that's just the way how it works and it was obvious to me that um because i have a um i have turkish heritage that i will not ever be able to get into the function as a mm -hmm. um, pure yeah. so to say asian mm. um, category mm. which is also interesting because um even though I, i i i identify myself as the person that i am and i feel very much like i'm i have a lot of experiences like we all do right yeah. that are influenced by our parents or the surroundings i'm i have 
I feel like growing up, people oftentimes didn't feel comfortable accepting that mm. I had something Turkish and Korean in me. They would rather be like, yeah, yeah, that is Turkish. Mm, you Turkish girl, you are mm. Muslim. Because obviously that gene is just really strong and dominant. It's just, that's just the way it is. And, you know, the Korean gene that is very submissive can't hold, you know, cannot win against the dominant yeah. Turkish uh, Turkish gene. So you are completely Turkish, right? Mm. Which I thought was oftentimes very, it stripped, oftentimes stripped me of my, Korean identity, yeah. which I didn't like, I was, yeah. which I didn't understand. Mm. I think after a while, I, I, when I understood why, why this was happening, I kind of started not liking this. But when I was younger, I didn't understand. I didn't mm. understand why people were so eager to see me as a Turkish descendant mm. rather as Korean Turkish, right? Yeah. So that was the beginning. And I just accepted the way it was, the categorizations. But then growing up... I think I started university and I started politicizing myself. Mm -hmm. I think I was, compared to the people in my surroundings, I was rather someone who politicized herself rather late. Mm -hmm. And I understood, oh, I understood the narratives. Mm -hmm. I, understand the, I understood the social norms. Mm -hmm. And that is also when I actively decided to call myself a German out of political reasons. Not because I identified as a German, mm. because out of political reasons. Yeah. And to this day, often just, um, I think we all will notice it. It's still very, very common that Germanness is often used as whiteness. Yeah. So people will be like, oh, you know, I'm German in front of me. And I'm like, so what if you were German and, yeah, yeah. but you're not saying the white, mm. what, what, what does it make? What am I then? Yeah. We might've been born in the same mm -hmm. hospital, but yet still mm. there's something in you that feels so natural to not call me a German. Right. Yeah. I do have to say that through interestingly that because I started using being German as a political method, mm. I did start feeling that way too. I think that was maybe my mid twenties. But I would have to say, that is something that is so irrelevant to me. Yeah. Because being German, I do understand that I do have a lot of privilege being German. Mm. Right? It does make a difference mm. living in the global mm. north and having, having all of these, mm. experiencing all of these mm. privileges that come with a German citizenship. But in a German context, me being German is... Yeah. I notice it's not enough to just have that conversation because it's something, there's a much bigger problem behind that, mm -hmm. you know, the identifying as German yeah. or non-German. So, yes. Yeah, thank you for sharing your experience. Um, I can feel these people when they see an, uh, BIPOC and then these people say they're like a German, then people can't really accept it because it doesn't fit to their box. Mm -hmm. Um, just one story uh, I have a friend we went to the doctor together and he's a German he grew up he's born and raised in Germany he has a Korean mother mm -hmm. and a German father and then the doctor was saying oh your German is so good where did you learn it and then he was like I'm a German <laughs> but she was like so where did you learn it it's really good you know? i think it's not only his story everyone would have experienced this so it's so ridiculous for me what is so special for a german to speak german fluently right it's their mother tongue but they just can't accept it i swear i remember university man i mean you could be like okay maybe teachers don't know but in university it was professors who were like 
your German is just very yeah. good, very good. Yes, yes, I think I can work with you. Mm. And I'm there, mind you, because I am dependent on the professor. I'm just like not saying anything. But in my head, I'm like, girl, mm. where am I? I don't want to go. I don't want to go home. Oh. What is this place? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I wanted to like um, make this story open so people, listeners who's listening to the radio, don't ever ask someone. That they're German, where did where they learn their German when they say they're a German person, mm. right? Like even though they don't, they're like beatbox, they're German, right? Yeah. So you don't have to be white. And also, yeah. like think about the moments when you use the word German. Yeah. Do you refer to yourself as a German? Who else do you refer to mm -hmm. as German? And who do you not refer to as mm -hmm. German? I think that also is very important. And also the all, I mean that's very. I think that is like basic, 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 basic common knowledge. Not asking why you speak German mm -hmm. so well. Not asking where you're from. Not asking what languages languages to speak so you can understand. Maybe find out where this person yeah. person might be from. Just chill. Yeah. Just chill and just start a conversation with that person. Get to know the person. Right. Not the race of the person. Yeah. Get to know the person. And when you feel comfortable, and when that person feel comfortable, it will naturally happen. Come on. Yeah. Right. right. So right. it's very normal. It's so common knowledge, but it's not so common, right? Yeah. Sad. <laughs> Sad to know this. And um, yeah, thank you so much. And then like, it's, it's really, it, it would have been hard that you have this good immigrant and bad immigrant image, both like colliding mm -hmm. in yourself, not by yourself, but by other people projecting on you. But how did you feel during the Corona time? Like Asians are model minorities, but they were so easily targeted as uh. a virus during the COVID situation. How, how did you see this? To me, it was like, I told you, it's, <laughs> only, it's a lie, this whole model minority yeah. thing. It's a lie. Yeah. Once something happens, it'll be, it's so easy to shoot at or to target um, Asians, East Asians, Southeast Asians. It doesn't. It just doesn't make a difference. So this whole narrative uh, of good communities or bad yeah, communities—it's yeah. bullcrap. It's mm -hmm. like nothing that is useful. It's let's say it's not useful to the communities who are right. marginalized. So I think there's no point in buying into a narrative that says these people are good mm -hmm. and the other ones are not, because yeah. that kind of categorization is dehumanizes people. Mm -hmm and rejects them all kinds of access to resources that white Germans have on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So I think kind of questioning these narratives is crucial mm -hmm. in 2020. Mm -hmm. We haven't done it to 2019, <laughs> not 2010. Yeah. We haven't done it 1990, but now is the time. Yeah. It's never too right. late, so right. now, let's now question these narratives. Right, I totally agree. I mean, it was painful for me during the Corona time, of course, but I was like, come on, this is a fallacy. There's no such thing as a model minority. If they really see Asians as a model migrant, then they should learn how successful these Asian countries reacted to the coronavirus situation and apply it to their own country. But they don't see them as a role model. They're just planting the role model image, model mi minority image into the migrant society for them to function the whole society better, right? So it's more instrumentalized. That made me very angry and very sad about how this whole system is working. It's not new, of course, but we're just tired of knowing it, facing it every moment. And this was, this became so apparent that this is a lie. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. We define ourselves, mm -hmm. not you. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that was great. So um, to make another question, <laughs> 
What motivates you to push forward your action and your work these days? That's a good question because I sometimes wonder why I do the things that I'm doing. <laughs> it's so much work. It's a lot of... It's not just time-consuming, but it's energy-consuming. And mm -hmm. understanding that just using... Investing so much time into something where you get back so little. Mm. Because right, I'm investing into a society, right? I'm investing into a better future. But in return, what I'm getting back, mm -mm, it doesn't match what I'm giving, right? So it does take me a lot of... I need certain things in my life to, to remind me why I do these things in the first place. And... You know, I'm not, I don't even know. At this point in my life, I don't even know. <laughs> I would love to be like, oh, you know, it's so important to keep on going, blah, blah. But to, at this point in my life right now, I am sick and tired. I yeah. am sick and tired. I don't even know why I'm, mm. why I'm doing all of this work. And um, that is partly also the reason why I think about mm. or plan to go more into entertainment mm. instead of doing sociopolitical content. Because mm. at the end of the day, once I put out stuff, There is, ma there is massive uh, feedback that is good, but also terrible. Yeah. And I mean, feedback is important, but sometimes what do you, what did you, what do, you do with toxic feedback, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm the only one to shoulder yeah. that toxic feedback. So I'm kind of wondering, I want to keep going mm -hmm. because I know it's important because I know I will find my way and I will find a... a a solution to the situation that I'm in right now but my goal is to make under make Germany understand that yeah. it's crucial to represent all people yeah. all peoples and it's important that to know that we have a responsibility towards the the, the weakest in the system the most vulnerable in the system And that is our responsibility. It's not a choice. It's not an option. It's a responsibility. Mm -hmm. And I'm also taking. I'm also take, holding myself accountable because even though I do know that I experience certain kinds of marginalization in Germany, structurally and institutionally, individually too, obviously, I also know that on different levels I am privileged. Yeah. And I have to understand that I need to use these privileges mm -hmm. and my responsibilities in order to go, to do good. Mm -hmm. Thank you for being honest. I think it's so natural. You can be sick and tired because it's not easy, right? But I have to tell you, you're empowering so many people with your own existence and how you're like projecting yourself, being so courageous to go in front of the camera, telling people, I exist here, we exist here, you exist here. We're all valuable people, mm. right? No matter where you come from, no matter what kind of background you have, you're just very, you're an important person and your narrative is valuable and worth to be heard. So I think it's really important what you're doing. Thank you. And I'm very thankful for you to produce so great programs and giving so much inspiration to people and empowerment to people. I think you're a wonderful woman. I'm so happy about it. And I'm very proud of you that you're my friend. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so at the end, maybe I would like to say people who are listening they should keep an eye on the next Karakaya Talks yes. with the S in the end yes. and follow the channel subscribe the channel and Ooh. give lovely comments to Esra so yes. she can push forward <laughs> but I do think now is the time for you to um, sort out your soil make it rest 
and then seed your plants again, and then they will grow again, give fruits to people as you have done till now. That's so I'm so thankful said. for you sharing your experience and your ideas today. It's great. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> oh. Thank you very much, women. You are listening to EBS Radio, the Migrant Women Experience, and today's show is called Racism Against Asians, the Good Immigrant Image, and COVID-19. After the break, we will hear from Nock, who is currently in the United States, speaking in conversation with Tao, a writer and community organizer, on her collective them, Deutsch, Asiatinen, make noise. We will now listen to a song from a film Magic Zipper. The director, Sona Lim, was inspired by the story of her friend who grew up in Brazil as a black person. This rap comes at the end of the film. Tim, the main character, expresses through the rap that he does not need the magic zipper anymore, while the magic zipper triggers that he is searching for it. Hi, ich bin Tim, vielleicht kennst du mich und Uwe Er ist mein bester Freund, der von vielen Zügen träumt Sui mit ihrer Blumentasse kam aus Korea Wie ein Genius einer Lampe, wir wussten nicht woher 21 sagt Pak Tsuk Chok Nado Dada Chumay Chok Uwe hört gay Kunja Chak Kunjak Und klatscht dabei Chak 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 Opa, was willst du? Denn mich finden kann ich auch Du gehörst geschlossen Magic bin ich doch selbst Zippa, was willst du? Denn mich finden kann ich auch, du gehörst geschlossen Magic, super wie Uwe, yeah. Ich weiß nichts über Brasilien, aber alles über Bravos zog Linien Lollis brauch ich heute auch, auf Airpad Zitrone sag mir, wenn du eine brauchst Magic Zipper, du willst mich verändern, steck mich nicht in eine Box mit viel zu Rändern Lass mich so bleiben, wie ich bin, mir gefällt es so, MFG dein Tim Was willst du? Denn mich finden kann ich auch Du gehörst geschlossen Magic bin ich doch selbst Super, was willst du? Denn mich finden kann ich auch Du gehörst geschlossen Magic, super wie Uwe, yeah Du gehörst geschlossen Magic bin ich doch selbst Super, was willst du? Der mich findet, kann ich auch Wirst geschlossen Magic, super wie Uwe, yeah <lacht> Hallo Oma Was machst du eigentlich hier? 
Kommt der Zug auch mal überhaupt an? Oh, ich glaube, da habe ich was gehört. Wow, I love the rap. Thanks for sharing it. By the way, hi everyone. I'm Nak, a member of International Women's Space, and I am currently in the USA. There is a whole lot happening right now in the US. Um, I think especially within the Asian American community, I feel like there's a reckoning taking place um, around what it means to be racialized as Asian and coming to terms with the role that we play in racism and white supremacy. I had a really great conversation with Tao, um, a writer and organizer based in Berlin about all of this. And I'm really excited to share it with you. So. Let's listen to the conversation, shall we? Tao, can you introduce yourself um, and then also the collective DAM that you created? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, first of all, thank you for reaching out to me and inviting me to talk um, on the International Women's Space podcast. Um, my name is Tao and I'm a writer and community organizer based in Berlin, and I initiated them, um, which means Deutsche Asiat and Make Noise, in 2017. And it's a political platform, an activist uh, collective that um, aims to connect and mobilize the Asian diaspora in Germany. And yeah, maybe to introduce them, I would perhaps start also how, how I started how I started um, my activism and my first contact with um, activism was actually an internship at a women's shelter about six or seven years ago and um, yeah due to my own experiences with um, sexual and domestic violence um, I realized from very early on that um, yeah, the system does not support everyone equally and usually protects the perpetrator and oppressor. So um, I was very motivated to learn more about how um, yeah, women um, can seek help and protect themselves. <clears throat> and I think this informed the community work um, I do with them quite a lot because it's um, yeah much about um, self-education, empowerment and self-organization um, as self-protection. Thank you, that was really powerful and I'm just excited to hear more about um, how DAM uh, and, and you went about creating this safe and empowering space for for people of the Asian diaspora during this pandemic? Yeah, the pandemic started, I think, two weeks after Hanau, right? The terror attack in Hanau. Um, so, yeah, um, after Hanau specifically, we, um, we felt the the urge to finally organize ourselves better and establish working groups. And actually the first meeting was set on, I don't know, uh, beginning of March, but then um, everything started to close down and we didn't know whether we should meet up or not. 
and we decided not to meet um, up offline. So we post postponed. And during the pandemic, during the lockdown, we um, decided to just do the um, do the meetings online. Um, and this was really great, actually, because people who don't live in Berlin uh, could also participate in these meetings. And um, this was really powerful uh, because there were also um, people uh, of East Asian descent who, um, yeah, who uh, even for the first time experienced racism due to uh, Corona um, and um, and were not politicized at all, but just needed some kind of space where they could talk about it and or became interested in becoming more po political or um, yeah active uh, in such uh, community um, groups. And um, so yeah, so this meeting was uh, became a space of. Uh, people with uh, many, many different backgrounds. And um, at this um, event, we uh, started to establish working groups and distributed work. And um, for me, it was uh, so much more empowering, like the fact to um, kind of uh, empower people to do something instead of being a person who talks about anti-Asian racism only, you know? It's because STEM has never been something that tried to represent a group or represent a problem or be like um, the voice of the Asian diaspora. It was more of uh, a space where people can come together uh, empower each other um, and um, then feel empowered to uh, also do something. It's, it was not only about being seen and heard, but actually take actions. So now I kind of want to talk about the fact that not only were we seeing racism against Asian people, of course, during Corona, there were also reports of racism against Black people in Asian countries. Dam recently organized a lot of events that were focused as well on taking action to build Black-Asian solidarity and to create space for reflection around what it means for us to be in solidarity. Um, so how, did, how were you seeing anti-Blackness within Asian communities? And what was the purpose that you saw in in um, in creating these events um, to go about addressing this anti-blackness. This is what I could observe in the Dan group as well when we discussed it, that sometimes um, people would say that we could also, we can also discuss one racism. Like it's either we talk about anti-Asian racism or we talk about anti-black racism. And um, there's often that uh, understanding, okay, if we only talk about anti-blackness, then we 
kind of ignore our needs as well because I also encounter racism and why does nobody talk about anti-Asian racism and what about pandemic racism? No? And pandemic racism is not only anti-Asian racism, right? It's uh, something that I guess sparked interest a lot in the media also. There was a lot of media or relatively <laughs> quite a few um, like coverage um, of anti-Asian racism in Germany also and, and in other European countries. But we just have to make clear that these issues happen side by side. It's not like either or. And this mindset is also quite colonial because you are kind of forced to just concentrate on one. I mean, this is also how the media functions too. That they cover this topic and then this is what we're supposed to concentrate on now. And then they cover this and then this and then this. But this is not how this should work. Oh, what I also wanted to say um, was that we definitely need to talk about colorism in, uh, in our Asian communities. It's just something very elementary, actually. Um, for example, here in Berlin, there are a few like Asian collectives, but usually the emphasis is often on East Asians or Southeast Asians. So in order to talk about anti-Blackness in our Asian communities, we also have to debunk our own anti-Blackness, of course, and also how we work. It's not only about talking about these topics and not taking actions, right? We can have thousands of workshops about um yeah let's talk about colorism right and then even invite someone who's who's from south asia for example and then have them talk about colorism and then <laughs> it's not enough right and i i have observed that actually um that within our asian communities we tokenize as well and it's just it's uh, really problematic, so we need to work on that and many other things. What do you envision for Black Asian solidarity and how do we work towards it in this moment? I think, yeah, them has always tried to stay practical because um, I used to be active in, in white leftist groups and there was usually like a lot of theory, but no action, um, a lot about big concepts, but no specifics. So we try, within them, we try to, um, yeah, focus on a specific. So if we focus on building Black Asian solidarities, it also means to educate our communities about the specifics of anti-blackness, so about oppressive systems, about capitalism, um, and make them aware of what individuals can do. Um, capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, homophobia, all of this that we need to break down and, um, and start to understand what it actually means. Because if you don't know what it means and then try to be an ally, it's just performance, you know, because you don't know um, your own position <laughs> in this society. And um, 
and yeah, privilege, you know, we always talk about privileges, but we often don't talk about what we can do with them and how we can help each other also with our own um, um, sources or resources. Um, definitely look into the concept of modern minority because I feel this is a huge topic that kind of hinders us to show solidarity, especially because there's this image of uh, Asian people profiting of, of white supremacy and um, also, yeah, and Asians or East Asians, Vietnamese people specifically, being the um, yeah modern minority migrations uh, wonder what of whatever, um, so it is definitely important to speak about modern minority um, in connection to other concepts. Also, for example, capitalism and how this connects. Right, it's um, yeah very important to look within our own communities first. Uh, before we kind of claim to be allies or whatever, right? It's uh, um, to be an ally for me is uh, more about um, becoming aware of uh, the all these structures and realizing, yeah, we are fighting the same fights and we're here to support each other. Thank you for sharing all of that um, with with us. Thank you, Tao, for your great inputs and your great work. I hope many listeners support DAM's important actions. Now we will listen to a song from a project by DJ G, Tsukasa Yajima, and Sona Lim called My Little Peace Statue. The peace statue is made to remember the history of women drafted as sexual slavery by the Japanese military during the Second World War, also known as comfort women. So it will never happen again to the next generation. The statues are installed in many places, but there are also little ones that we can buy and carry around, put it on our desks. The team made a film and photographed the little peace statues traveling around Berlin and being loved by many people. Aget Trostfrauen from Korea Verband organizes many actions, educational programs, and research on the comfort woman issue. They're currently having a permanent exhibition called Comfort Women and our joint fight against sexual violence in their office in Moabit. This exhibition links structural sexual violence in diverse regions and gives space for visitors to participate in further action. Please visit their website for more information and send an email to mail at koreafeelband.de to join their work or visit the exhibition. So, coming back to the My Little Peace Statue project, this song contains names of the victims of the comfort women system all over the world with different voices. 
We would like to say their names, who are victims of sexual violence, structural racism, and police violence. Suri Sukanti Suri Sukanti Umi Umi Inuibi Kulsu Walaiwa Ellen von der Ploog Kasina Tukia Waino Livero Tukira Great talk today. Dahe, how can listeners run more if they interest in getting involved? Yeah, so there is hashtag Migration Festival Deutschland, which is hosting many events to share the narratives of people with migrant backgrounds in their own way of expressions. International Women's Space is a corporation partner of this festival. Due to the current situation, the festival cannot be hosted in person. So we will have diverse online programs throughout this year. Untitled is also a great collective of creatives in Berlin. 
They organize events to showcase talents from Thailand and in Germany to free themselves from easy labels and stereotypes to bring the narrative back to their hands. All right. We are now at the end of our show. Thank you, Esra Nayon Karakaya, Jie Sung Yu, and Tao for sharing your knowledge and perspective with us and our audience. Thank you! Woo, woo, woo! Thank you very much, everyone. And we are looking forward to interacting more with you through EVS Radio. Please spread this podcast to your friends, family, and comrades. You've been listening to EBS Radio. We are broadcasting from We Are Born Free, Powerman Radio in Berlin. EBS Radio is a podcast series on the migrant women experience brought to you by EBS, the international women's space. We are a feminist, anti-racist group of migrant women, refugee women, and women without this experience. EBS Radio is a continuation of our work documenting the lives and stories of refugee and migrant women living in Germany. Visit our website, iwspace.de, to find out more about our work and subscribe to our newsletter. A complete transcript and a German translation of today's episode will also be available there soon.